Hello, and welcome to this episode of Say Something Interesting. This is the follow-up podcast from Eastlake Tri-Cities Church. My name is Megan, and with me is our teaching pastor, Brent. Hey, everybody. How's hey. it going? Hey. We had a little break. It's been a while. I feel like I don't see you. That's probably because I don't come to church right now. Yeah, well, <laughs> this is an intervention, actually. We're going to have that conversation. We've noticed uh, um, since you stopped working here, you have not shown your face here. No, you were at the coast. You were traveling. Coast, you were yeah. having some fun. And yeah. You also told me, I'm taking a break. I did just tell so you that. You, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you won't see me for a while. It was planned. It was planned. Yeah. Yeah. Not that we don't miss your face, but it was planned. Yeah. How was the coast? It was fun. It was like surprisingly nice. Like I for sure thought it was going to rain every single day and it only rained like overnight early morning one day. Nice. Um, it was like chilly. It was, it was cool, but not like unpleasant. Um, and a lot of mosquitoes. Yeah. Um, I did get sunburnt on my legs because you look like you got a tan. Well, you look darker. yeah, my arms look darker, yes. but um, that's or, also potentially. Or you've from been yard doing work. yard work. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to homeownership. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your yard. There are um, weeds. But my legs did get burned. Actually, the arms isn't warm. Isn't uh, from the beach at all because I wore long sleeves the entire time I was there. Wait, yeah, yeah. Um, but my legs did get sunburned because it wasn't like cold, and so they didn't get hot. But there was like anyway, so I got a decent sunburn. Well, but, right right before we pressed record on this, my dad called yeah. from the beach. They're oh. in Seaside. Okay, fine. Uh, and they went over doing a clam dig. Uh, and the funny thing, it was thing, like eighty over the weekend. He's though. in a t-shirt today. He sent yeah. me a photo, and you know all this stuff. Just living the dream, right? So I mentioned he retired a couple of weeks ago, and then his kind of last thing was they did a missions trip to Brussels, Belgium, uh, and so. He went over there for, I don't know, eight days, nine days, something like that, and landed. Let me see. He called me while they were driving back from the Seattle airport and uh, said, hey, I'm in Ellensburg. Trip went great. We talked for a half hour about, you know, all life stuff, right? And then um, the next day, I call him, and it went to, goes to the voicemail. And so I call my mom. Hey, hey, is dad home? I got a question for him on something. She goes, ah, he's at the beach. He's driving on the beach. He's going on a clam dig with all of his best friends. So he literally was home for less than 24 hours after being gone for eight, nine days overseas. Yeah. Uh, and then just got in the car and is going over there. And then he's going camping right after that. He's yeah. just, you know. It's living, living the, life. the life. It's his. Yeah. It's his best friend. Uh, it's his probably second best friend. I won't ask them to rank each other, but I think they know. I think they know where they stand. Two best friends, and then his uh, his brother in law who owns the boat to be able to go do some of this uh-huh. stuff. Um, so they went uh, clam digging this morning. They went golfing, and uh, he just called me, and they're doing oysters tonight. And he's like, nice. "How soon can you get here?" You know all this, <laughs> all this dumb dad retired yeah. stuff. So, but. Good for him. Yeah. It's, it's all good. It yeah. is a scorcher today, everyone. Yeah, this, real hot. It happened just like we thought it I would. Brent started complaining, and I, I was did. like, I remember vividly just, I don't know, two weeks ago, you complaining yeah, about how cold it was. when it was 72 and rainy for like two <laughs> weeks long, and I said, here's the problem. We're never going to get any of these 85-degree <laughs> nope. days. We're going to get 72 and rainy and then 104 scorching heat. <laughs> And that's exactly what we did. I'm playing a game of softball tonight, doubleheader, that was rescheduled from two weeks ago that was canceled because there was flooding. (laughs) Because the fields were too in too poor of condition. And tonight and tonight they're like, make sure you bring buckets of water. Yeah. So that you don't pass out in the fourth inning. That's where we're at. Gosh dang it, Megan. I don't even know. I don't even know. But it'll be okay. It's good. It's all it's all good. It's it's fun. I'm trying to think of the last couple of weeks. You don't sound like No, it was fun. no. I, I 
I, I, I laugh, but I love, I do love the heat. I love yeah. that I wake up in the morning and I go, I know what I'm wearing today. It's shorts, flip-flops, and a t-shirt. Yeah. Like, there's no wondering, is it going to rain later? Should I bring a jacket, but then I'm going to sweat, and it's that and the other yeah. thing. I just, it's this is what it is, and we go, yeah. we go with it, and we make it, make it work. It's hard to complain about the heat in the Tri-Cities, because why else would you live here? You know what I mean? I know, yeah. So, uh, my sister uh, officially moved in and uh, has the pool open. We've been over there a couple times nice. now. Uh, which has been fantastic. We we hit up another friend's pool on Sunday, so we're just finding friends yeah. who have pools. I have a friend like, who has hey, a pool. What's and happening? I've definitely this week been like, I need to. Are you busy? What's them going on? And just checking when in. The pool's yeah. ready. <laughs> just checking in. Yeah. Any prayer requests you need <laughs> yeah. taken care of? Or... <laughs> uh, oh, it's terrible. Would you like me to bring you some sort of treat? Yeah. And I'll, yeah. You know. I'll come watch your kid for I make a little bit, a mean and then I'll... Pepsi on the rocks, <laughs> yeah. uh, coconut Lacroix on the rocks. You should Pepsi try it. Pepsi on the rocks. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's a good one. So. Uh, that's fun. Uh, what is your poolside beverage of choice? Oh, um, oh, like during the day, probably like water. I only bring that up because um, I was uh, out yesterday or we were mm-hmm. over the day, Frank's, and he goes, "Hey, here, here's a you want a beer?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah," and he handed me an Imperial IPA. Which is next um, to well, I don't like IPAs anyway. But next to a pool, I don't even know if I would drink an IPA next to a pool, let alone an imperial IPA. I thought, one, you're trying <laughs> to put me to like sleep. A thick, like a pretty yes, heavy yes. beer. Yes, like middle of winter, dead yeah. of winter. <laughs> you drink this with a parka up to your face. Like, I'm yes. pretty sure, like summer beer is Corona. Or I nursed like that, that right? thing for like two hours. I'm like, I can't drink this. It is not a poolside drink. Uh, that's funny. I know. Uh, I mine would probably be some sort of like mixed thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know, margarita. Like a seltzer water? Or in, in, are you into those, like, uh, white No, claw? I don't really like sparkling water or, like, the no. flavored sparkling water. LaCroix? Are you a LaCroix? I don't really know. Man. If you, if you don't like LaCroix uh, coconut, <laughs> I have no words for you because that is <laughs> delicious. I just don't particularly like sparkling water or the, like, flavored derivations of said sparkling water. So... Yeah. Sorry. Well, there's okay. a lot of... Hey, you get to do what you want. You there's a lot of things life. that we don't agree on in terms of, yeah. like... Foods let's lay out some and... of those. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's go. Let's talk about it. This is not the first time you've said something and I've been like, you know, and you're like, what? Eh, you're ridiculous. That's <laughs> uh, fine. I don't care. You're drinking water. I'm drinking cold brew. It's I mean, true. Yeah. It's one of those deals. I'm but... healthy. You're no, just kidding. <laughs> you started. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's true. I'm a caffeine addict. That's what it is. Just put it in my veins. I, I, uh, we have, you know, the one of uh, the beauty of having cold brew on Sunday mornings is we have gone through so much less coffee in terms of brewed coffee. That's true. Way less than half. And so many people walking around with cold brew and it's beginning to get warm and we know that that's the case. The danger of it is it's way too accessible for me midweek. Yeah. you. It's really easy for you to it's just have a, coffee. It's way more simple time. than yeah. making, like other times I'd be like, do I want to make a coffee? Ah, it's yeah. like five minutes. I don't know if I want to like make a coffee. Yeah. And now it's like, do I want to pull this handle 45 yeah. degrees? <laughs> For 30 yeah, seconds. I want to pull this handle 45 <laughs> degrees. So it's so easy. Yeah. And I, I drink way too much coffee now. Well, you know. So, anyways, all right. Uh, you started a brand new job. <laughs> I did. Uh, like yesterday, today? today? Today. Yesterday was Sunday. Um, well, most people I don't, don't. I don't know. Maybe they make you work on Sundays. Sundays. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much of a grind this is. 
Not that much. Um, a little bit of a grind, but not that much. Yeah. Is this exciting? Is this this is how you're spending your summer? Yeah. Um, it is exciting. I'm a little update nervous. Life. Update people okay. on your life in this area. Um, so I got an opportunity to do a grant called Partners in Science, and it is a grant for high school science teachers, and they partner them with a research scientist in their area. And for two summers, I get to work with Dr. Tom Collins at WSU Tri-Cities in the Wine Science Center. And I get to help him study how grapes and wine react to smoke. Because um, that's what his lab does. Is um, It's called Smoke Taint. And that's what they look at and study and try and figure out how to um, stop it from happening or how to mitigate it. And um, because smoke, like aerosols um make the wine taste real nasty yeah so um it's a pretty big issue for and the i don't industry. know if you know this or not but there have been forest fires in the last few years uh and we have lots of vineyards around yeah, here uh-huh. yeah so if you're this not is a relevant topic if you're not from the tri-cities um wine industry is pretty big deal here yeah. and we have regular wildfires but it's also like wine industry is a huge deal in California. They have wildfires all the time. Yeah. Um, wine industry also is huge in Australia. Um, and they have brush fires all the time. And so a lot of the research actually started in Australia. Um, but now it's like happening all over the place. Yeah, and so. it's funny because um, there are some cocktails that re- that do have like a, hey, this is a smoke yeah, old fashioned. Yeah, I had fashions. a friend, or not a friend, someone, it was at Lauren's birthday party and one of her friends who was there was talking about smoke cocktails and I was like, ew. Yeah. Like, why would you choose to? No, they have like a big dish that goes over top of it. Yeah. And like wood chips <laughs> and then they like wave the dish at you and, and it's different. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This is how no, it I is. No, I believe yeah. you. <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, so, but, and they're doing it intentionally. You're trying to figure out how to kind of keep it from happening. Well, cause it makes the wine, it makes the wine literally taste like an ashtray. Yeah. Like it's not good. Yeah. Um, and so. Do you do, do you do, uh, volunteer for testing to be like. <laughs> no. I'd like to see a level of smokiness <laughs> in this. No, I haven't. But yeah. they, um, over spring break, they were like, come in and we'll like, have you do, we'll do a testing and. Um, get you kind of, you can kind of taste and see what's going on. Um, so they don't do testings that often and there's not like a lot of wine drinking and wine research. It's mostly like taking samples and looking at them under really fancy, expensive instruments in the lab. Cool. That's awesome. It sounds fun. Yeah. There's a lot of field work. So this is a two year thing. So you do this all this summer and then all next summer too. Uh Great. And then in January, each subsequent January. So. January next year, 2023, and January 2024, I go to San Diego for a long weekend and do a conference. And the first conference... San Diego in January yeah. is... <laughs> I know, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's horrible It's a hardship, uh, but I guess someone's got to do it. Yeah. Um, and the first conference, I like present a poster. I have like a poster that I bring and that talks about my research. And then the second conference, I do like an oral presentation. Cool. That sounds awesome. So, yeah. Good for you. Yeah. It's fun. I like it. Can't wait to hear more about it. And uh, if they ever, you know, ask you for another tasting, you get to bring a friend. <laughs> You've got my number. Okay. So. You want to taste gross, ashy wine? Well, uh, <laughs> I'm not opposed to it. Let's just say that. I'm not opposed to it. We'll see. Um, uh, hey, Sunday, we kicked off a new series, a new teaching series. And I know you weren't in attendance. Were you able to watch online? So I I tried to watch it live, and yeah. there were some hiccups. Yeah, and there were. Sorry And then I was like, everybody. oh, maybe I'll just 
like watch it later because I still have access to all that stuff. And yeah. then I didn't because I decided to hey, watch Little Mermaid instead. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, I got the boot for Little Mermaid. Huh? I was like, I heard enough. It's cool. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we definitely, we found out, I, you know, sometimes I don't find out those things till later, but we definitely had some issues uh, with our live stream piece, uh, and it seems to be, you know, perhaps, a, like, anyway, I don't want to get in the weeds on it, but uh, apologize uh, for those of you who may uh, not have been able to be there in person and see that. There is a version, Eric did a great job, I know he worked overtime to try and pull together uh, an option for us, so there is a limited version on there, um, but and we know it's not perfect, and our apologies. Yep. We have, you know, p- typically been recording two services, and then if this happens, we've been able to kind of pull the first service audio uh, to make yeah, it work, mm-hmm. but now we're only doing one service, so we get one shot, one opportunity, yep. uh, like Eminem would tell us, and yep. uh, we we <laughs> kind of we we didn't we lost yourself in the music. <laughs> And didn't and didn't make it work. So, uh, apologies. Uh, wow, you really, it was a really, really good went for one. it on that. Yeah. It's a good song. It's a good song. Uh, um, but uh, we 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 basically kicked it off by talking about some uh, a new Gallup poll that came out recently with some religion figures in it. Um, and did you get to see any of those things? Well, I saw them on, on visual. On visual, right? On the, the oh, on oh, Slack. No, I on saw them notes. On Slack. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and some of the big ones uh, were just a, a general decline in the last 10 years in basically every category. There's really not one. One of them was a question of, do you think that um, that uh, the church is having an increasing influence or negative influence or, or less of an influence in the American way of life? And it was a steady decline in the less of an influence of it. Um, you've got questions uh, such as church attendance. Is it very important, somewhat important, not important at all? Uh, and, and we saw, I made a joke about how it still said, um, how often are you attending a church or a synagogue? And it mm-hmm. was like, uh, I don't know, 65% said every week. And I was like, that is, and I don't even think it was that high, but I was like, that's, <laughs> and then in 2020, yeah. I was like, what a freaking lie. Where? Unless this was only taken, this poll was only conducted in Florida. That's the only way that this perhaps takes, uh, you know, a, a chance. But well, unless you consider attending, like during that time, you consider attending church as like I on guess Sunday morning, they should have put I an asterisk in there to be like, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and it didn't factor in, it, like it didn't factor in. I attended in person or I attended online. There was mm-hmm. there wasn't that clarification. So I guess you could kind of interpret it that way. But yeah. anyways, all that to say. <laughs> Uh, the one that kind of stood out at the very end was 81% still profess a belief in God. Do you, a simple question, do you believe in God? 81% of Americans, yes. And about 17% said uh, no, which could be categorized. And, and I, I didn't mention this too much, but mostly when those things are broken down, it's actually heavy, heavily weighted into an, an agnostic stance versus an atheistic stance. So about two-thirds of the 17 responses uh, or 17% response is I don't know, and I don't think you can know. I don't know what I believe about God. I always thought agnostic was I believe in God. I just don't think it's like that's an active part of day to day. Not well. I mean, I guess there would be forms, or probably a spectrum of agnosticism. Okay. But agnosticism would be it's no knowledge. Is, is oh, the okay. little gnostic is knowledge? So um, there is no knowledge. There is no way to know oh, a- anything okay. about that. Um, if there is or isn't, he or she or whatever it is has not chosen to reveal it to us. Um, so we're not necessarily. I'm t- not taking a stance against it. It's just an unknowable Got sort it. of thing. 
Um, and then one about one third of those seventeen percent would be no. I actively believe that there is. I'm, a, I'm an atheist in this way. And, and so what do we do with these numbers? Like I think a lot of times a lot of churches are like, oh my gosh, more we're losing more market share. We're doing this, you know. <laughs> and I and I talked about how I, I I don't know. I think that that it there's a way in which we can look at it based on the way that we do church and and who we're our target audience is that we can actually I actually think our market share is growing based mm-hmm. on on the fact that we're trying to do church people who've been disillusioned with church and or hold hope out for the idea of the concept of community of church, but necessarily don't like, aren't sure where they stand with the whole God thing. So um, I don't think it's a, I think for us, it's a a thing that is more of an intention that creates opportunity for us that to be able to move forward with this. We talked about different, um, you know, beliefs about, uh, about some of that and, and some of the, the precedents going that. And then the risk that comes with those types of people are often at risk for what we said, uh, quote unquote, was a crisis of faith. I'm losing a chance to kind of see where I'm at and what, what I believe with all of this. And we live in an ever increasing, more contained, self-contained society where everything that brings me life, brings me joy, brings me hope about the future is in the tangible, is in the here and the now, and a less what Charles Taylor would call porous sort of existence and openness to the transcendence of a God who is God, whatever that might mean. So anyways, that was the general direction. What do you think of when you think of transcendence? Like, what does that mean to you? Um, I think uh, that uh, something more meaningful than than the just the logistics of the here and the now, I, th- I feel like the scientific is... Uh, very, I push this, this happens, uh, thermodynamics sort of stuff where if this, if A causes this to happen over here, um, then there's going to be instant reaction back in this way, right? So that it's all very explainable um, and reasonable. And I think the transcendence is what is irrational, irreasonable, irreasonable, that's not even a word, unreasonable is is the (laughs) word that I was looking for. Absolutely. Um, beyond, beyond knowledge in this way. Um, and, uh, that, that's what I would say is, is kind of like the transcendence. Okay. Something beyond this thing. Does that make sense? Does that feel right? I just was, I couldn't remember if you like defined it in a talk and I was like, what does that mean to like, I needed like a placeholder for, yeah what that is because you spend a lot of time talking about the opposite of that. I talk about imminence. Imminence. Right. And so yeah. I was like, well, what is that? What does transcendence mean then? Is it like higher purpose, higher power, higher, yeah. whatever. So I just wanted, I wanted some, I think that that's that. a great point of clarification. So if, if, tra- if imminence is everything I need is natural and ev- everything that gives me life is natural and tangible, then uh, transcendence would be everything that gives me life is not this here in the now. And there's a lot of religions that are, that are like that. And, and, um, you know, don't, uh, a a nirvanic approach to Buddhism is all this stuff is meaning, meaningless, right? Mm -hmm. I I need to figure out how to release any sort of dependence on this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think religion in general has leaned transcendent like, and which makes more, uh, like makes it make sense for us as to why in our movement in the last 500 years, how we've become more uh, more opposed or more open to the idea of not believing in any, anything mm-hmm. whatsoever is because our lives have become less transcendent. Yeah. Well, general. as you find explanation for uh, things that seem unexplainable, like as we progress in science has answers for certain things and you're like, Oh, I see that. I see that. It's easier, which you talk about. There was like a quote you used that talked about this too, but it's almost harder to think of, like the unknown 
Um, although I know many scientists who are like, the more I get into science, the more I believe in the unknown and, and the more I feel that there's something higher and something bigger and something deeper than we can ever know or ever learn. hundred so. percent. My, my wife and I are reading a book right now called Live Wired. Um, and it's a, it's a book on the brain. In fact, it'll, I'll probably talk about it. I mean, I, I'm giving away a little bit of my something interesting, but, <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's talking about how our brain functions and how when things are taken away from it, our brains can kind of regenerate in their own way and grow out of an absence of something. And, and, um, it's so brilliant. And my wife walks away from this stuff and and says, I know that sometimes this kind of knowledge or research can drive people away from needing, uh, the idea of a God, because now things are a little bit more explainable, but I look at the beauty of Mm -hmm. how this thing functions and think, this yeah. is a God who created this. Like, yeah. this is not accidental. This is design. This has design written all over yeah. it in my mind. Well, and that's, for me, that's the the more I look into science and do biological things and look at how the earth works and how biological processes go, I am just more and more in awe every single time I learn something because it is so intricate and it's like uh, all of these infinitesimal things had to happen in right the right way in order for this to exist. And here it is. And, you know, like there's so much that could have gone wrong and there's so much that is wrong or isn't perfect yet or whatever, but like, it's also very beautiful and like, so yeah, it's like hard to, it's so unexplainable. Yeah. And so, yeah. But I was just, I was thinking about that, wanting a counterpoint for Yeah. Uh, I think, too, one of the things that I didn't talk about as much, there's a little section in it, but I deleted a lot of what I was going to say with this. But um, some of the inspiration for this series comes from a book that Lauren and I read together called The Crisis Decline in the Church by a guy named Andrew Root. It's a book about church, and so, I, you know, it doesn't play as well in terms of a series because nobody cares typically about what we talk like about church theology. <laughs> then they're like, hey, man, I have kids in a job and trying to navigate life. So how do I speak something for me? So uh, there are bits and pieces that I was able to pull, but in it, he talks about um, when churches are in survival mode, right? When, When the goal is for a church to simply survive, then resources, we need the resources. We need money to keep the doors open. We need people to continue to show up. We need this is if the goal is survival, then resources are great. When they're declining, that's when we go into crisis mode. Mm-hmm. That's this is the crisis. Of, oh my god, what are we gonna do? You know what I mean? Uh, and then when they're good, when things are growing, when the money's good or whatever, then automatically we assume health and we assume good things. And and that's why when moral failures come or or the, the, something leaks out about a, a, a pastor who is a just a turd to everybody he works with or, or no, whatever. We're like, how, how, I mean, well, you know, we, or we give him a pass. Well, he's the one that grew the church to the 5,000 or something like that. And you're like, that, that's, that can't be the, the point of, of church. It can't be a point of, of, of this. Like it's gotta be more transcendent than that. In the same way that individually our lives need to be more transcendent. The role of the church and the purpose of, of what, why it exists is to be a witness, uh, to point to the greatness of, in this, of the story of God, the holder, the container, the, the receptor, the, the, the people who play into this. And, and I just think that, you know, it was a, it's such a good, interesting point. And um, yeah, and I'm hoping we can kind yeah. of continue to navigate that and go that direction. But anything else stood out to you? Um, I think I was thinking... Um because you talked a lot about like the people who are questioning and like find good, like finding the imminent um, 
like finding pleasure and joy and whatever in the here and the practical. Yeah. But I think that even like people who profess active Christianity, like I am a Christian, that's a big part of my faith. Just because of the world we live in now, like fall into like forgetting that your joy isn't just from the things you have or the things you're doing or the um like the here and the now. Yeah. Like your joy is from a, a higher purpose as well and a higher calling as well. And so I'll like, cause I know sometimes even I like forget, I'm like, Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm not just about like buying a house or having the vacation or doing, having this thing or going this place or whatever. Like it's, it's about more than that. And yeah. like, I have to remind myself yeah. even, and you know, like I don't think it's just a problem for people who are having a crisis of faith. I think no, it's yeah. an issue for everyone. Right. So. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you, even on this vacation that you just went on uh, with, was it family or friends? This My one? friends. Okay. Yeah. The, so uh, as we're going to get around to later on the series, like in week three, particularly talking about uh, this encounter with revelation and, and this thing, a lot of it is going to come down to our experiences with other people and the the pieces of ourselves that we find out about ourselves because of our relationship with other people and the experience of knowing God through not just uh, the words that we can read on uh, the pages of a Bible, but also through the love of other people. And, and mm-hmm. it's so other related, like we know ourselves in the context of that kind of thing. And so I only bring that up because I feel like coming back from an experience like that, if, if it was like, oh man, I feel... I feel filled. I feel like my, there's something like, like good soul treatment was Mm -hmm. this experience. And it wasn't just the beach, although going and seeing something beautiful in nature can do that. It also is, I could have gone anywhere with these people. And Oh, the camping trip is like 60% being with my friends and their kids on vacation. Yeah. And 40% the beach. Yeah. Like, and you know, we do camping on the beach because it's a cheaper way to go to the beach, but. Yeah, it's also more and becoming more and more about the time we spend away together. Yeah, and less about necessarily where we are or what sure. we're doing. Yeah. So. And sadly, I think it takes us way too long to figure that out in life. It's like <laughs> we're like sixty or seventy, and we're like, oh, it's always been about family. <laughs> you know, like, why didn't I uh... figure this out earlier? So hopefully we can talk about that. So I, you know, that's the kind of somewhat the direction for this nice. series. But all right. Uh, let's jump into something let's interesting. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so like I mentioned, I'll go first cause yep. you opened. Sure, sure. Um, we've been reading this brain book and, uh, there's a theory that it's by, it's by a guy named David Eagleton and he has written several books on brain stuff and, and it's kind of written in a, I would say non-academic kind of like a general audience thing. So it's not like too crazy, but, uh, in it, he talks about how, you know, prior to electricity, during the evolution of our brains, uh, there would be only certain amount of hours in the day in which we could visually see things. And our brain functions when there's an absence, when we lose an arm and have to amputate an arm, we immediately have feelings of our arm is still there. Our brain still thinks our arm is there. But over time, the signal stops sending, you know, nerve endings stop sending signals to our brain. And so our brain it figures out that there's nothing there and begins to kind of like cut itself off. And so even if you get a replacement there, it's really hard to kind of retrain the brain in this way to do that. This is just how it, it sort of, it sort of works. And so, 
um, the theory is that uh, the same thing can happen with, with visual sight. If you lose blindness, if you go blind later in life, um, then the, it's, it's harder for you to make connections and sensory connections in other ways in terms of reading Braille and doing that as, as fast of a learner as somebody who was out, who was born without sight and can just pick that kind of stuff and their sensory stuff is just on overload anyways, right? So uh, that's, that's an interesting thing. And so his theory is uh, that when there existed no electricity, it was a way, dreams were a way of our brain's way of creating visual things uh, for our mind to stay active in what it sees. Oh, um, that's so, cool. So it wouldn't lose that t- that sense of sight over time. And now that we're... That's a fun I uh, know, theory. I know. And now that we're, uh, we have electricity and we stay up later yeah. and we don't have that kind of things, it, perhaps we dream less and or we might biologically evolve out of having dreams and dreaming Ooh, less because we don't need Do that Do you remember anymore. your dreams? Uh, like occasionally, but I, I wouldn't say that I'm like a, like it, it never, never like days later, ever days later. I mean, maybe like that morning, if somebody like Kylie's more, more apt to be like, I had a weird dream last night, yeah. you know, <laughs> you can actually train yourself to remember them more. So if like every morning, cause there's been times when I've tried to remember them and I actually remember more when I like start actively thinking about it. Yeah. Um, but then I get lazy and stop, but yeah. I remember my dreams sometimes. Yeah. Usually if I'm like having one when I wake up, but yeah. yeah. It, it's a very interesting book. That was a real small section of one subheading. Yeah. So it's like, that's not what the book's about. So if you're like, that's bull crap, uh, <laughs> don't ignore the whole book. Um, there, there's other good stuff in there that I think is interesting. So the book <laughs> is called Live Wired. Um, there's a subtitle to it, but I don't have it in front of me and can't think of it. Uh, but, but David Eagleman's the, cool. the book. So yeah, anyways, all right. Your turn. All right. So um, as I stated earlier, uh, we I went camping at the coast this week and or this past week, and we camp at Fort Stevens, which is an old fort just north of Seaside. And for the first time ever, we've been camping there for like four years. And for the first time ever, we actually went to the actual like embattlements, like the cool, um, like the historic part of it, and like wandered around. But it was late in the evening, um, so there weren't any like tours or people there. But we just wandered around. Um, but, and it was so cool cause they're like, um, well, they're kind of ruins, but they're like earthen. So they're like cut into the side of hills and then there's like cement reinforcements. But so I have a little history for you all yeah. about Fort Stevens. So Fort Stevens was built in 1863 during the civil war. And the reason that they initially Whoa. built it was because they were worried that the British were going to align with the Confederate States and then try and come in through the Columbia River through Canada. And so it was a defense, a Union defense, for against the British um, in case they aligned Man, with... I do not think of the Civil War anywhere near the West Coast. Nope, but that's when it was originally built. Wow. Um, and then over time, it was like reinforced and had concrete put in and all these other things. And then during World War II, it was um, it was shot on by a Japanese submarine. And wow, that came a long ways. Yeah, and the commander like didn't let them shoot back. Um, but it was like shot on by a Japanese submarine and that was, and then it kind of got decommissioned after world war two because, um, like anti like sea to air defense, like had advanced enough that they didn't need a, like a ba- uh, fort right there. And so, but its main purpose was to, um, protect the, the mouth of the Columbia river. Um, and then there's two forts on the Washington side that had the same purpose. 
Um, but it's really cool. And like, you can kind of wander around the ruins and, um, there's some like cool, I, like a lot of things are like, uh, dug into the earth, like the ground. So they're like in hillsides yeah. partially. And so, um, and That's it awesome. has a beautiful view on the top of the like embattlements is a beautiful view of the mouth of the Columbia river. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. I just thought I'd give you guys a little Fort Stevens history. That's cool. And the Fort Stevens now, it's like a big campsite, and it's like one of the biggest uh, campsites in the United States, like state-owned, state-run campsites in the United States. So it's a lot of cool things. Sorry. That's awesome. I uh, uh, When we were in Hawaii, um, I don't even remember how long ago it was, but we, Kylie and I did some hikes, and you could hike up to old pillbox outlooks, and keep an eye. This was during World War II when they were worried that the Japanese were going to come and, and bomb Hawaii, basically, which obviously is a lot closer and actually happened yeah, considering uh-huh. Pearl Harbor. Yeah. So it makes sense that they were there. But really cool to kind of be able to go up and be like, this is where they sat with binoculars to be like, are we going to get attacked? Yeah. Uh, pretty wild to see. So if you would have asked me, I would have said definitely World War II for Fort Stevens. Oh, yeah. uh, but to go back as far as Civil oh, yeah. War. Yeah, it was originally built in 1863. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah. That's the podcast. That's why we call it. That's why we call it. Say something interesting. All right. Anything else? That's it. All right. We had a fantastic 101 uh, last night. Oh, good. I'm glad. Um, we had nine new people kind of show up and hear the story of how Eastlake happened. If you did not get a chance to uh, be a part of it, because it actually did fill up, like, uh, and we had to like say no. Like, we had to block the registration piece of it. Um, we are going to be doing another one probably at the end of summer or early fall. So uh, make sure you can get on the waiting list for that. We've got a couple of fun barbecue hangout things. We launched a bunch of groups uh, for the summertime, some uh, splash pad outings with moms and kids and uh, backyard barbecues and, I don't know, some other things along with what already was on place there. So if you're looking for a place to connect uh, this summer and be in community with people outside of what we do on Sunday mornings, be sure to check out the Community Marketplace on the on the website and uh, or on the app, too. You can download that and access it that way as well. For sure. All right. Uh, this Sunday, back at uh, in person at 10 o'clock and on the live stream, with, we're doing part two of our series, The Crisis of Decline. Hope to see you there or see you online. Other than that... Have a great week, Megan. Yeah, you too, Brent. And we'll talk to you later. Bye, everyone. Bye.